Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Basic Blues Podcast right here on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And joining me tonight is a very special friend of mine. This is Anthony at PSU Recruit Talk, Penn State Talk account on Twitter. Anthony, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you for joining me. I've, I've been wanting to collaborate. Uh, I know you and I talk a lot kind of offline, but I'm excited to finally get the podcast together so we can kind of preview the season. Yeah, no, absolutely, dude. And it's going to be an exciting season, so let's get into it. Yeah, for sure, man. I think, you know, we have to talk about the news that just broke roughly, you know, 45 minutes ago. Um, left tack, or sorry, left guard Landon Tangwall um, has medically retired from football. I know he's been away from the team this summer. I know when you and I would talk, um, it's kind of interesting kind of looking at photos and, you know, Troutwine having the offensive line over the other night and he's not there. And so you kind of figured something was going on, but just what are your first thoughts um, on Landon Tangwall's retirement? And um, yeah, just, just really feel for the guy right now. Yeah. I mean, first things first, you're just devastated for Landon. I mean, whatever the injuries were, um, it, it's obviously something he can't come back from and you got to hope he's doing okay, not just physically, but, but also mentally. Um, but beyond, you know, whatever Landon is, is feeling personally, uh, it's definitely a blow for Penn State along the offensive line. You know, um, you, you feel okay with J.B. Nelson coming in as a starter. But, you know, anytime you lose a key player on the offensive line, that, that's obviously a really tough loss. So, you know, I, I, but first things first, I hope Landon's okay. Yeah, same, man. I, I just I feel for the guy because he had such a promising career ahead of him and then you know, last towards the end of last season when he was out for a couple of games, I believe it was reported that he was banged up in warmups or something at Michigan. And then he kind of missed some time. And then, you know, again, you hear this summer that he has dealing with bumps and bruises and obviously it must've been a lot more than that. So really feel for him. And then, you know, you hit on it, JB Nelson, a Lackawanna community college transfer, heard nothing but great things from him. Um, you know, what are your, I guess, first impressions? Do you think it's a plug and play with JB? Do you think you'll be able to fill those shoes fairly well uh, this season? And also, what is what do you think the, the depth behind him looks like um, headed into this season? Yeah, I, I think JB Nelson will do a pretty solid job. I mean, it sounded like by all reports that Nelson was was right there with Landon. We've heard good things, you know, in practice from JB Nelson. Franklin said good things in the press conferences. So I think JB Nelson will come in, do a really good job. I believe Franklin said he's at about 332 pounds now. So he's, you know, at a good playing weight. And he said he's one of the most physical offensive linemen that they have. So that's a good trait you want to have as well. Behind Nelson, uh, obviously, I think Vega Ioni now takes a step up. The big Samoan from out in Washington. He's pushing like 355. He's a big boy. So I think he's a redshirt freshman. So he'll step in, probably be the key backup at both the left guard and the right guard spots, kind of like Drew Shelton is doing at left tackle and right tackle is the primary backup for both. And then after Vega Ioni, you're probably looking at either Alex Birchmeyer or Anthony Donko, who are the true freshmen that are young and probably should be redshirting, but are both very talented in their own right. Yeah, no, I think one of the surprises of fall camp in general, Anthony, has been Anthony Donko stepping up. I think a lot of people thought Birchmere was the guy that was going to be kind of the next in line as far as true freshmen go. But it feels like Penn State might have found a diamond in the rough with Anthony Donko now. I agree. No, he's, he played at a very small school in high school in kind of like rural Virginia. So he wasn't a guy that got his name out there very much. And I just think it was a case of Penn State finding him before other schools found him and, and getting his commitment before he could really get his name out in that circuit. If he went to a bigger school, 
I think he'd be a guy that had a much more uh, national recruitment. So Penn State does a really good job of finding those diamonds in the rough, and I really do think Donko could be one of those guys. That's awesome. Love to hear it. Uh, again, uh, thoughts are with Landon Tangle and his family. Hope everything is going to, you know, is okay with him first off. And second, like, it's not the last thing, last time we'll ever hear about Tangwall. You know he's going to be involved in the community. He's had, you know, great experience with, you know, I know he had the book that he wrote this summer and sharing that with elementary students and things of that nature. So I know he has a, a great career in whatever he chooses to do. Unfortunately, it won't be in football, but, um, you know, I know Landon Tangwall will do great things in life, man. Oh, 100%. If you know anything about Landon Tangwall, it's that he bleeds blue and white. The kid loved Penn State. He was the leader of that 2021 class not just in the star ranking, but also just as being one of the first kids, if not the first kid that committed in that class. So he loves Penn State, and he's going to stay involved with the team and in the community. And, yeah, he's a smart kid, so I, I wish him the best. He's, he's going to be just fine. Yeah. Um, shifting gears on you, Anthony, kind of talking about the season. We are, what, three days away from the first game of the season um, against West Virginia, 730 Helmet stripe game, which is basically a whiteout. Uh, I know you're going up there. I'm going to be there. I guess before we kind of jump into the game itself and the season ahead of the Penn State football team, how excited are you to be back in, in Beaver Stadium to be up there uh, for this game, man? Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, it's always a uh, it's always a great time when you can get back to Beaver Stadium. It's just a beautiful place. It's you're kind of with your people. I, I didn't go to a game last year, so this is my first game back since 2021. So I had, could not be more excited to make that drive to State College in a few days. Yeah, same, man. I feel like this game, just the hype, the buildup, obviously everything this offseason, um, maybe it's because there's a new quarterback on our center, who knows, but it just feels like there's so much, um, you know, anticipation for Penn State this year and, and for it to be a, a night game against a Power 5 opponent. I uh, just couldn't imagine a better atmosphere. And so, yeah, certainly excited for that game. I, and I know James Franklin's going through his presser right now. I am curious to see what they do because, you know, obviously Neil Brown, the West Virginia head coach, has not really named an official starting quarterback to this point. Imagine it's going to be Garrett Green. But Penn State hasn't done that either. And I think, you know, a lot of people are, are wondering uh, maybe why Franklin hasn't named someone as a starting quarterback. But regardless – Presumably, Anthony, Drew Aller will be the starting quarterback. I can't imagine how loud that crowd will be if the first time anyone is aware of this knowledge like, uh, is when they're announcing the starting lineups on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, this is Drew's team. I'm, uh, James can say what he wants. I mean, he could play coy as much as he wants, but Drew Aller is going to be the starting quarterback uh, on Saturday when they take the field. I still think Bo Perbula will have a role in this offense. I don't think he's going to be primarily – I mean, he'll be, be primarily the backup, but I don't think he'll, you know, just be the guy that sits until the fourth quarter. They'll, they'll use him in some way. They really like him and his athleticism. But, yeah, Drew's going to be the guy. He'll, he'll be announced on the jumbo, and, and the crowd's going to go nuts. Yeah, I can't wait, man. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a crazy environment. Uh, Penn State's a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Josh Pate last night was talking about how he does think that the model thinks uh, Penn State will will cover that spread. And I mean, West Virginia, you know, kind of on the flip side of that, West Virginia offensively, I would say the strength of that team is their offensive line. Obviously, Garrett Green's a dual threat quarterback. They got Devin Carter from NC State in the transfer portal at wide receiver. Uh, their offensive line for st- returning all five starters from last year and CJ Donaldson makes that shift from tight end to running back last year. And he kind of explodes onto the scene. 
but really, man, it, it comes down to the defensive side of the ball for West Virginia. It just doesn't feel like they have enough, especially on the defensive line, the secondary, in order to really contain Penn State's offense. Do you feel the same? Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. I think the strongest part of this West Virginia team is their offensive line. I believe they have three all Big 12 offensive linemen. I think one's a first team, one's a second team, one's a third team. Um, I forget what the center's name is, but I think he's like their leader of the group. He's their best offensive lineman for sure. So uh, I think in the middle and on the edge, they'll definitely be tested a little bit in game one. I do like what they have with Donaldson as their running back. He's more of a bigger back. Um, You know, he's going to, like I said, he's going to test this front seven pretty early. They're definitely going to try to lean on the run game not just from their running back, but also their quarterback, who was presumably going to be Garrett Green, who played a little bit last year. Um, He helped them beat Oklahoma. He had a big uh, day on the ground in that game. So he's more of a dual-threat quarterback, kind of like what Penn State's used to in that regard in terms of what we used to have as our quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see how we defend that and if we can keep him in the pocket. Because I think if we can keep him in the pocket, I think we have a good chance to hold that offense, you know, to, you know, I don't think they're going to score a lot of points anyway, but I think we'll hold them to very little points. Yeah. Like you said, defensively, there's I I tried to find good things to say about every team, but there is just not a ton to say positively about the West Virginia defense. They were really, really bad last year, and I don't think they're going to be much better this year. Yeah. No, I I feel like that's all fair. And, and I mean, honestly, I am a little excited for the test, even though it might not be – the, as big as a test is when they play Illinois um, a couple weeks into the season, but it will be interesting to see how that interior defensive line on Penn state handles it. Like, obviously there's a lot of guys there in that rotation um, that are going to, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them this year. Um, but I would say that part of this is a test for, you know, what happened against Michigan last year, can they bounce back? And I know West Virginia is probably not going to have nearly as much success at West Virginia or as uh, Michigan did last year, but it's still interesting to kind of think about that initial test on the defensive line and will they be able to contain the run game? Cause I, I feel like, you know, if they can keep Garrett green in the pocket, like you said, with chop Robinson and Isaac and deny Dennis Sutton, then it's really going to be the focus on linebackers crashing and obviously the defensive line getting a push. Do you feel, you know, from the defensive tackle position, I feel like that, maybe one of the question marks on this team this year, as far as an area of concern, how do you feel about, you know, the interior defensive line specifically at D tackle? And do you think there's a lot of depth there um, enough to contain West Virginia, I should say? Yeah. I'm not as worried about the defensive tackle room as some people are. I understand the concern. Obviously if you watched that Michigan game last year, it was, it was tough at times. Now, obviously, this this West Virginia game, this West Virginia team, as good as they might be up front, they're not as good as Michigan up front. So it's not that type of challenge, like you said. But, yeah, um, I, I think there's some quality players that we have, and I think a lot of those guys have gotten bigger and stronger. Akeem Beeman is the guy that stands out to me. You know, he's playing like 25 pounds heavier than what he was last year, which is a very promising sign. Zane Durant, I think, will take a step up. And you got guys like Devon Ellis and Keziah Izzard, you know, that could be, you know, guys that have to replace PJ Mustafer, of course, and that's a tough replacement, but I, I think they can be a step up in that regard. So I think that there's a lot of depth there. I think that they're a solid group. There might not be a superstar in that group, but I think that there's enough talent there that they'll be able to hold their own. Awesome, man. I, uh, <laughs> I hate to switch topics on you, but, uh, 
it looks like Franklin just announced Drew Aller as a starter. Um, Shocker. Like just, just now. So it looks like that is uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to kind of completely shift gears, but I just got a text to my phone. Franklin did announce Drew as a starter tonight. Uh, I had a media day, and so that's uh, – that's some news for you. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty exciting that we finally get the the confirmation from Franklin that Aller is going to be the starter this Saturday. Uh, I guess, what are your initial thoughts on that and finally making that announcement? I'm absolutely stunned. I definitely did not see this coming at all. But, I mean, no. I mean, we, we all kind of saw it coming, right? Like, we all knew Drew was going to be the guy. There was no way it wasn't. No disrespect to Bo Perdula. I love, I love Bo. I think he's a really quality player. I think he's going to be a really good player. But this is Drew's team that there's things that he can do out there that a lot of players in college football just simply cannot do. You can make throws that guys just cannot make. And he gives you the best chance to take that step up that you've been hoping and praying that Penn state can take. So yeah, let, if he hits his ceiling, uh, this, this team can go places. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm excited, man. I, I did not expect that to happen tonight. I did think he was going to wait till Saturday night, but yeah, that's kind of uh, never had that happen before. Anthony, I think you're just a lucky guy and <laughs> some breaking news while we're recording the podcast. I love it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's exciting. So finally got some backing on Drew Aller. Um, yeah, really excited. Like you said, it's, it's Drew's team, but we'll have a good role um, behind him. And again, I, I think there's, you need both players. Like there's going to be a dynamic between them that Drew just doesn't have um, the ability to probably run that kind of read option type zone read offense. And so, yeah, Franklin did uh, finally come in and say that uh, Drew Aller is the starter. So I'm excited to see kind of him take the field Saturday night. It's still going to be exciting when they announced on the jumbo trial, what we said earlier, I still think is relevant, but uh, yeah. Um, switching kind of gears into another topic that Franklin brought up earlier this week. Um, in his press conference on Tuesday is kind of the, the freshmen that are green shirted for this season. No surprises, right, from the defensive players that were green shirted uh, Tony Rojas, Elliot Washington, uh, Zion Tracy, and King Mack uh, all earned that green shirt, right, which essentially means that they're probably going to play in the majority of games this year. Out of all those guys, Anthony, does anyone stick out to you as far as? Um, players that are going to any of them maybe besides Tony Rojas because I feel like everyone knows him right at this point well the other three you feel like those players could have a prominent role on this team in 2023 yeah no I I think you know like you said the first three don't necessarily surprise me you know Tony Rojas King Mack and Elliot Washington I think those are guys that we all kind of had pegged to come in and and play early you know King Mack is kind of like I like to call him a five-tool center fielder you know, he has all the athletic ability, you know, he's strong, he's physically built, he's, he can play in coverage, he can be a safety, he can come in and play in the slot. He's just a Swiss Army knife on defense, and he's super fast. I didn't see any way they were going to be able to keep him off the field, and, and clearly they can't. So he's going to be green-lighted. Elliot Washington, you know, same thing, he's very physical. He's, he looked like he was ready to play right away from the second he stepped on campus. I expect him to have a big role. And I think that he's a guy, and along with the guy I'm about to say next, that they're going to try to not just be ready for this year, but also for next year when your top two corners go to the draft. But the guy that I'm actually a little surprised about is not necessarily surprised, but pleasantly surprised is Zion Tracy. Um, I wasn't necessarily ready for him to be a green light right away, but the fact that he is to me is a very promising sign that he's come in and, and shown some things and flashed. 
I know that that room, it, it, while it's very talented, isn't necessarily deep. But at the same time, he was still able to come in, beat some guys out, and they didn't have to, you know, green light him if they didn't think he was ready. So the fact that they think that he's ready is a very promising sign, not just for this year, but also for the future. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, we saw it from the 2022 class. There was a lot of guys that just came in and made that immediate impact. And I'm excited for all of those players to um, at least contribute. I feel like it would be such a true freshman moment for one of those guys on like punt, like on a punt on uh, Saturday night for King Mac to go down and force a fumble or something like that, where it's like, you know, you kind of just can see that difference maker ability in them. Um, you know, obviously like Abdul Carter last year took him a couple games to get into that. Okay. This guy's a legitimate role player on this team. And maybe it might take Rojas a game or two or three before you see him really pop onto a game. But the way that Manny rotates players, especially early on, on defense, I mean, he's just kind of fires guys in at will and he'll rotate in six, seven guys as far as, you know, defensive linemen and, and linebackers. And so, yeah, it, it's interesting to see um, kind of where they're going to fit into the rotations this year. And, and to your point, um, the depth in the secondary, maybe not so much at safety, but cornerback, um, it's interesting to kind of see where that all, where that's going to play. And I think going against the wide receivers at practice, like, there's some veterans in that group that are really savvy. So for younger players like Elliot Washington and Zion Tracy to show something to the staff in camp, um, that's that's pretty exciting to me anyways. And I felt like, you know, during the blue-white game, Elliot Washington certainly looked like a stud out there too, maybe quietly. Um, so, yeah, certainly excited to see what they can do this year. And, um, you know, always great when true freshmen can kind of make that initial step. Even if they're not necessarily starting their true freshman year, they're going to have some kind of role on the team. And so that kind of always gets you excited for where this class is headed. Um, so we talked about some of the true freshmen that are going to make an impact. Do you in- expect anyone else, even though they didn't get a green shirt? I know there's that yellow shirt where it's like potentially could play, potentially travel and things of that nature. Is there anyone that Franklin didn't name where you're like, you know, I know we talked about Anthony Donka a little bit, um, but is there anyone, Anthony, that comes to your mind, maybe in a tight end room or something like that, where it's like I could see this guy potentially maybe not playing early on, but as the season goes on, he might get some some role on the team. Yeah, I was actually just thinking about some guys that I think are probably yellow shirts that that could also play a role this year. I mean, one of the guys that stands out to me is obviously Dakari Nelson. Uh, I know he's in the safety room, which is probably the only reason that he's not a green light this year is because that safety room is so stacked. But you're talking about a guy who's 6'3", probably 225 at this point. You know, great length, good coverage ability. I think he's a guy that will at least get four games for sure. But, you know, depending on what happens, I could absolutely see him playing his way into a green shirt. Andrew, you talk about the tight end room. Andrew Rappelier is obviously a guy that had a lot of um, buzz going into his freshman season. It seems like he's already uh, lapped guys like Jerry Cross because he's not on the scout team, which is obviously a very good sign. He's got a very crowded room in front of him, similar to Nelson. But I also think that, you know, he's a guy that could just play his way into into seeing the field. And the last guy is actually Jameel Lyons. I think, again, in a crowded room, it's probably the biggest reason why he's not a green light. But it's been some promising talk about how Lyons has performed this camp. I think he's a guy that, has a very bright future at Penn State. Yeah, no, it's exciting, man. Again, recruiting has been such a a fun thing to be part of. I don't know what it is about just, you know, it feels like recruiting is one of those things where 
the general fan can kind of be involved and, and really interact and get excited, especially during the off season when there really isn't any news going on. So you just track it a lot closer and you're kind of more aware of different recruits coming in. And I'm sure for you, someone who's followed recruiting a lot closer, more closely than I have um, over the past several years, like you kind of remember that recruiting process and you probably do that as much as a game, right? Like I think back to games from, you know, the, whatever the 2015, 2016 season for Penn State. And I, I can remember like individual games and something a player did. I'm sure you remember that same kind of thing from a recruiting standpoint. And as I've been following it more over the last couple of years, because of you, um, you know, I've started to remember some of these recruiting battles, either that Penn State's won or lost, um, or maybe someone who's under recruited and suddenly they end up becoming a star at Penn State. And so I think that's exciting to kind of follow it that closely and see their progression throughout the year. And I feel like Lyons is a guy, not that he was under the radar as a recruit, but he did kind of arrive a little later, get up to speed a little bit later. And for him to make an impact like that so early on, Anthony, I mean, that's, that's pretty exciting just going through fall camp and being able to make an impression like that. Um, What are your thoughts, I guess, kind of shifting gears in the same Avenue, but what are your thoughts on Dion Barnes and the job he's done with just, you know, not even from, on the field yet, but like the recruiting stuff he's done this summer and, and everything that Deion Barnes has been thrown in the bus for because he took over this job and obviously they're expecting a lot from the defensive line uh, this season. Yeah, he's obviously done a great job so far from the recruiting standpoint. You know, I think it's very challenging when you're a young position coach, especially like he is, you know, he went right from the grad assistant to the defensive line coach. That's a very big jump. And it's very easy for other schools to negatively recruit him from that standpoint of, oh, he hasn't proved anything yet. He hasn't developed anybody. Are you really going to trust this guy? You know, et cetera. And, and it makes sense that other schools can do that. But, you know, I think one of the big things that Deion Barnes has to his advantage is that he knows Penn State so well. He played here. Um, he's been in the program now for three years under John Scott. He learned everything that he could from him. So, you know, he's he's been in that room. He's not new to Penn State. And he's a still a relatively young guy. He remembers his own recruiting process. He remembers how that, what that was like. So he can yeah. recruit kids a lot better than somebody who is a little older can. And I think that resonates with some of these kids as well. And I think you're seeing so far, he's doing a very good job. You know, Liam Andrews, we remember that recruitment. That was, that was a, a winding road for a little bit to get to his commitment. And Dion Barnes was able to get that done. You know, then bringing in guys like, you know, T.A. Cunningham, you know, getting Malachi Williams out of his hometown, Philadelphia. That was a big win. I think he's a guy with a bright future. And uh, guys like Xavier Gilliam and DeAndre Cook, who might not be super highly rated, but I think especially Xavier Gilliam, I think he's a guy that could be like a hidden gem in this class, potentially. I don't know if you saw on Twitter the other day, but he posted a video where he did a 60-inch box jump. That dude's like 260 pounds doing a 60-inch box Yeah, That's freaky. So, yeah, Barnes is doing a great job, and I think if he continues to develop the guys currently in the room, if he puts Chop in the first round, you make a Deza, a day-two pick, stuff like that, all the negative recruiting is going to go away, and this guy's going to really take off on the trail. So it was a little bit of a gamble by Franklin to hire him, but it's one that could really pay off if it goes right. Yeah, and I feel like he's at least walking into a really good situation. He had to kind of prove himself on the recruiting um, grounds this summer. But he's walking into a, a situation where you're going to have at least two, maybe four guys get drafted into the NFL um, after this season. And so I feel like just being able to kind of have that in your first year and then start to develop your own recruits, giving him a season or two um, to kind of see what he can do. But from a development standpoint, it's pretty exciting. 
And uh, yeah, I know Franklin said that he's, he believes that Deion Barnes is already ahead of schedule, which is pretty impressive this early on. Um, you know, we talked about some of the recruits in that 2024 class, man. And I know we're a couple of months away from, you know, early signing day in December. Uh, obviously the 2024 class probably has a slot or two left um, available to fill. Where do you think Penn state can, like, where should they target in your opinion um, as far as position of need in that 2024 class? And do you have any names that you're thinking about that uh, potentially could fit those last few spots in the 2024 class for Penn state? Yeah, I think the biggest one that stands out to me is a defensive end. You know, I think Malachi Williams is a very talented edge rusher, but he really is the only edge rusher they currently have in this class. Xavier Gilliam can be kind of a swing guy, but I think he eventually grows into a defensive tackle. So you probably want to try to find one more. You know, we could talk about Jalen Harvey, but that recruitment has just been it's been a recruitment. So, you know, he's been a guy that just you thought that maybe he would commit a long time ago and he just hasn't gotten to that point. It's kind of been going back and forth. So we'll see if he actually ends up in this class or not. But that's definitely the main guy that they're, they're going after right now. Other than that, not a lot of huge names out there yet. I think they're going to just kind of wait and see, you know, what happens with guys senior films, how certain guys develop. Maybe there'll be some late risers that pop up in a little bit. Um, but I think they'll look to try to find another wide receiver. Uh, I like the group that they have, but I think that they would definitely want one more. Um, I think another offensive tackle wouldn't be a bad thing to get. You have Egan Boyer and Colin, and uh, not Colin Sexton. Um, that's a basketball player. Garrett Sexton. Garrett Sexton. <laughs> yeah, who are, who are both very solid players, but I think you, you never can have too many offensive tackles. It's just such a, a premium position. And then another cornerback. Uh, again, they've got good numbers there, but you know they were pushing hard for uh, Juco Sion Lalea. Uh, that obviously has not worked out for Penn State. Uh, Penn State was not in his top three. So um, if there's another corner that pops up, I think that's a position that they'd be interested in as well. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's interesting, man, because that's going to come up quickly. And I feel like the West Virginia game is so important, not only for getting the season underway, but also having recruits um, being on campus and be part of that game atmosphere. One of those recruits is in the 2025 class. It's already committed to Penn State. Jalen Matthews announced that he's going to be at the West Virginia game. I know it's a little bit – it gets a little trickier with 2025 and 2026 recruits. I think I wanted to kind of talk to you about what are your thoughts on how Penn State handles kids that are already committed in that 2025 class because that, that decision's made so early. And how hard do you think they have to work to – retain that commitment from players that are going to grow and going to get more offers and want to visit other schools and want to see what else is out there as they get older. How do you feel like the staff handles kids that commit early, like a Jalen Matthews, but also trying to retain their commitment and make sure they're, you know, 107% locked into the program? Yeah, I think it really depends on the kid. Like every kid is different. Like, you know, in 2023 and 2024, the first commits in that class were Alex Birchmeyer and Cooper Cousins, respectively. Both of those kids were locked in. Like, you didn't have to worry about them at all. Like, there was no chance they were going to visit anywhere else. No chance they were flipping. Like, Penn State could have just not talked to them for 12 months and they were coming to Penn State. Like, it was just that locked in. And obviously, that's not wasn't what their approach was, but that's obviously super helpful when you know that you have those class leaders. You know, Jalen Matthews, you know, seems like he might be a kid that, you know, has more interest in, you know, maybe still opening up his recruitment, looking around, that kind of thing. And in that case, you know, if you're Penn State, 
you have to continue to recruit that kid as if he's not committed. Like you, you treat that kid as if he's not in the class, continue mm-hmm. to push as hard as you were before he made that commitment and, and just try to get him on campus as much as possible. You know, if he takes visits, you, you almost have to decide if you're okay with that or not. And if you are, because he's a very talented player, you kind of just have to let him take the visit and, and hope he still comes back to you at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I mean, that's interesting, man. Cause like him being at the, uh, the first game of the season, hopefully that can reconfirm that he's at the right, he's made the right decision. He's going in the right direction. He looks like such a beast of a prospect. I know he's had a couple of uh, scrimmages in, in the first couple of games of um, his junior year of high school. And I just, I mean, he's going to be a, a dominant prospect and, it's ex- uh, exciting to see what um, what ends up happening there, and obviously, if that you know him being on campus for that West Virginia game can help, obviously, sway him into you know, hey, Penn State's the right place to be, and things of that nature. Um, kind of looking ahead in that twenty twenty five class, man. I know it's super early still for all of these prospects. Was there anyone maybe sp- speaking specifically on the offense side of the ball at wide receiver or quarterback that have stood out to you that you think? you know, Penn State should be going after or that they currently are maybe under the radar kind of going after in that 2025 recruiting class? Oh, man, yeah. I haven't looked uh, – I'm not going to lie. I haven't looked a ton into the 2025 class just yet just because I've been busy with, like, my own life, and I kind of just wait until signing day. Like, that's usually my marker. Like, once signing day comes around, that's when I'm like, okay, let me really dig into, like, the next class coming up. But, like, one name that does stand out to me at quarterback right now is Malik Washington. Uh, he plays at Archbishop, Archbishop Spalding in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. He's been to Penn State a few times at this point. He'll probably be back on campus at least once, if not more than once, over the course of the season. So I think that's a guy you can pay attention to at quarterback. And another one is probably Ryan Montgomery uh, from Finley, Ohio, another quarterback, uh, especially since Ohio State already has a quarterback committed in the 2025 class. And he is a um, – uh, Brad, Brad, Brad Meandler guy, the guy that yeah. played, uh, drew Aller and Ethan Grunkemeyer, both obviously at Penn State or committed to Penn State. So we'll see if that connection can help pay off again for Penn State going into uh, the next cycle. As of receivers, I'm going to be honest, don't know a lot about the receivers at the moment. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair, man, because it's, it's just so far away and it's hard to kind of um, have a good understanding of what who exactly Penn State is going to be in the mix for, but, you know, kind of thinking about the quarterback room, it sounds so promising with a guy like Jackson Small getting so, so much praise from Franklin. I feel like a lot of the time Franklin does not say a ton of positive about younger guys until they get into the position where it's like, okay, he could potentially see some playing time. But I feel like Jackson Small, like obviously that recruiting process was a little bit different um, after Marcus Stokes had a, you know, had decommitted to Penn State and went to flip to Florida. Um, and then getting Smolik from flipping from Tulane to committing to Penn State last year. And then I feel like a lot of the Penn State community didn't really know or follow Smolik that closely because he was so off the radar. Then suddenly he's a Penn State commit. How pleased have you been with just Jackson Smolik's rise throughout spring ball and fall camp? Because to be honest with you, man, like during the blue-white game, I think he probably got like three or four series. And he obviously wasn't able to do a lot. He's only been on campus for all of three months at that point. But it really sounds like he's kind of taken what what Drew did last year, where Drew maybe had a rocky blue-white game and then worked really hard throughout the summer, impressed in fall camp. Suddenly he's QB2. Like, what do you think of Smolik's growth from when he got on campus in January until now? 
Yeah, it's incredibly encouraging. Like the way Franklin talks about him, I don't think he's a guy that you can just write off as like, okay, we're going to go from Drew to Bo to Grunk, and then Smolik's probably going to transfer. Like, I think Smolik's really going to be in that conversation. Like he's going to push Bo and Grunk to, to be the quarterback after Drew. You know, and I think an important thing to keep in mind with Smolik was I think he was kept under the radar as long as he was because he was coming off of a shoulder injury the season before. It knocked him out of the rest of his like sophomore year and all of his junior year. I forget the, the story behind it, but he had a shoulder injury. They kept him out for a while. And around the time of the Elite 11 was when he was just starting to get that shoulder back to where it was before. And I think now it's really at full strength. He's back to 100%. And that arm strength that was the biggest knock on his tape is really starting to come back. So I, th- I think he's, again, just an under-the-radar guy. And, man, especially with everything that happened with Stokes, it could not have worked out better for Penn State that they ended up with Smolik. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right, man. And I feel like this year, um, I'm, knock on wood right now, obviously none of us want to see any injuries to the quarterback room. You know, we've all lived through that over the years. But – it does feel like at least Bo Perviola can run that offense. It sounds like Smolik, even if he has a year of development and he just can learn from Drew and Bo, um, that's always great. But it sounds like he's doing enough right now where he's able to see the throwing lanes. Maybe he's not up to speed in like the meeting room and whatnot, but it does seem like he has just a very high football IQ and he's able to kind of make the right decisions. And, you know, I've been listening to a lot of the interviews that Adam Brenneman did with Drew Allar and Bo Perviola. And the one thing that, I feel stood out to me is just they're very unselfish guys. I feel like the second, you know, uh, Jackson got on campus, I'm sure they took him under their wing. And I'm sure that's what Sean Clifford did for, you know, Drew and Bo as well. And so it's kind of cool, I think, to see older guys in the program uh, take on that leadership responsibility and catch guys up to speed. It's very unselfish because, you know, you think about the NFL, I guess, on some level when your team drafts a new guy or a new guy shows up and there's kind of that mixed story of, I don't want to help this guy because he could take my job someday or, you know, things of that nature, but it doesn't really feel that way in the Penn state quarterback room. And I think that just kind of speaks to the type of players that, you know, James Franklin and Mike Yurcich kind of go after that. They're going to be unselfish. They're going to be willing to work with everybody, regardless of if you're the starter, if you're the second string, if you're the fourth string, um, how do you feel about just kind of the camaraderie in the quarterback room? Oh, I couldn't agree more with you. It seems like those guys are, you know, at least friendly to some degree. It seems like they're, you know, they want to make each other better and they want to help each other as much as possible. And that is very unselfish. And it's important to remember too, and especially when like you sign a two quarterback class, like Drew and Bo were, there's ego when it comes to being a quarterback recruit. And for the most part, quarterbacks like to be the single man in their class. They don't really like sharing the spotlight and they don't like coming in with immediate competition because unlike other positions, you can only really play one quarterback at a time. So, you know, for Bo to come in, you know, knowing that, hey, I've got this big five star number three player in the country in front of me. I have to work my butt off. He could have very easily have just said, you know what? I love Penn State, but I want to go somewhere and be the guy. And he had plenty of schools that were trying to pitch that to him. But You know, he stayed committed. He wanted to be a Penn Stater. He wanted to compete. And, you know, I think he's going to get his chance someday. But, you know, I I admire, you know, his competitive spirit that, you know, he's willing to to stay and he's willing to compete and he wants to be a part of this. Yeah, no, I think that's a a good way of thinking about it. And 
Yeah, I'm excited, man. I feel like this team just has so much depth and so much to kind of look forward to. And I don't know, are you a superstitious guy, man? You see all these folks picking Penn State for the college football playoff. Does that does that ever make you nervous? I mean, it, kind of, it makes me always a little bit nervous because it's room for I told you so if, if something does go wrong and they drop a game randomly or they end up going 10 and 2 or something like that. But what do you think about all this hype or do you feel like it's well-deserved and this could really be the year where Penn State goes 11 and 1 or 12 and 0 and, and does make the college football playoff. Oh, dude, I have certain shirts that I won't wear to Penn State games because we've lost when I wore them. So, yeah, <laughs> I am I am very superstitious. I don't bet on Penn State games because I don't want to be the jinx that my betting was the reason that we lost. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. What was the question again? I actually just completely lost. Sorry, that. I was just going to say, do you do you feel like the the hype that Penn State's getting, is it well-deserved? Like, do you think they can actually come through for the Penn State community this year? Or do you feel like, you know, it, it's hype from all these other national media members and it's something that it might not happen because of, you know, for whatever reason, they drop a random game this year. Yeah, no, obviously this team is, you know, we're kind of used to being the underdogs. Like you always have Ohio State that's been the top dog. Now it seems like Michigan's the top dog. So it's interesting that Penn State is starting to get all of this hype is, hey, Penn State, we're going to pick them to win the big, the Big Ten. I saw Brandon Walker from Barstool picked us to win the national championship. Now, while I'm not ready to take that leap yet, I do think that the hype for this team is well-deserved. I think this is the deepest team that Penn State has had, not just in the Franklin era, but in the last 15 years. I think there's you know legitimate first-round talent on both sides of the ball. You know, and if the biggest thing for me that's holding me back from saying, yeah, this team could, you know, not just go to the playoff, but also compete for a championship is what is Drew Aller. If Drew Aller is an elite quarterback, kind of like what Clemson got with Deshaun Watson five years ago, six years ago, however long ago that was. Yeah, this team could seriously go places. I still think this team can make the playoff. You know, I, I think the team can go 11 and one, but. You know, Drew really is going to be the difference for me between competing for the playoff and trying to win a championship. Yeah, no, I think that's fair, man. And that's really what's the separator, because you think about some of those games over the past several years where Penn State's down seven. You think about like 2021 Michigan at home. And I know, you know, what happened on defense with two guys colliding and Eric Alls running into the end zone. But you think about having a quarterback – Again, this is not a shot at Sean Clifford. This is just how it is or how it was during his career. That could, you know, in all seriousness, Penn State's down seven or whatever. They're down three, a couple minutes left in the game. You need a two-minute drive, and you know every single time that he's going to deliver, almost as if he's untouchable on some level. Like, I feel like that's, the again, the missing element that Penn State's had. And if, if Drew can deliver on some of those big drives in those games that really, really need it, like if that's Illinois this year, I'm not saying that it's going to be that tough of a game, but if it is, you know, can he deliver in that moment? Can he deliver at Ohio State? You know, whatever happens in the Michigan game this year, like those are the times where I think we're really going to see something. But, man, from what we saw last year with his pocket mobility, I mean, I, I, I refer back to this, Anthony, so much with the Purdue game, with like whatever happened to Sean where he had to leave for all of a couple series there. And Drew's like third throw of his career is just that dot to Tyler Warren that he dropped. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just seeing things like that so early. And then you think about everything he's been able to go through. And he's this is the fourth install of Mike Yersich's offense when you think about spring and fall last year, spring ball this year, and then fall camp. He just has a really 
high knowledge of Yurcich's offense. And then all of the physical gifts are there. I feel like his pocket presence is there. Um, you know, hopefully he can deliver on everything. But yeah, it just if Drew can I think we're gonna find out Saturday night. Um, at least get a, a taste of okay, guy goes out there, doesn't make any mistakes, you know, plays really well. I thought <laughs> I thought what Franklin said yesterday about Drew like not throwing a pick until practice thirteen or fourteen. Like that's kind of crazy to me, to be honest with you. Uh yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm super excited to see someone else under center, especially a guy like Aller that's, you know, the number one recruit in the 2022 class. And yeah, excited to see what he can do. Um, what is your final prediction for Penn State this year? Do you have a record that you want to throw out there for the folks um, listening? Do you think that that's something that, you know, is it 11 to one? Is it 10 and two? Is it 12 and 0? Where, where are your, you know, season ends? Where do you think Penn State is? I love to be an optimist. I'm going to say this team can go 11 and one. Like I said, I think this is the deepest team that they've they've ever had. The good thing for Drew is that, you know, he has weapons around him. You know, he has an elite running game. He has an elite tight end room. He has at least some solid wide receivers. Hopefully a guy like Keandre Lambert-Smith takes that leap to wide receiver one that we're hoping to see. But, you know, he, he's he's got help. You know, it's not just him trying to lead an offense out there. So that that's a great thing for his you know, poise, that's a great thing for, you know, to kind of calm down the pressure that he might be feeling on himself a little bit. But yeah, I think this team can go 11 and one. I really do. Um, I think they can get one of Ohio state or Michigan, obviously going to Columbus is a, is a tough game, but you know, if there's a year that they're going to do it in Columbus, this might be the year just because, you know, they're breaking in a new quarterback kind of the same thing as us. What is Kyle McCord or, or what is Devin Brown? I don't think that competition is even over yet. So, you know, and, and getting Michigan at home, you know, those games are usually pretty close, you know, so we'll see if Penn state can, can win that one. So I think that they'll, they can split that series and, and they'll go 11 and one. Yeah. I feel like beating either one of those teams this year is going to be just an immense amount of pressure off of James Franklin, just in general. Cause if it's Ohio state, you haven't beaten them since, 2016 really haven't beaten uh, Michigan since 2020, maybe 2019, if you don't want to count the COVID year. Uh, so it, yeah, it, it's a lot of pressure. I, I feel like 11 and one is fair. I'm going to say 11 and one. I'm going to agree with you. I, I think they beat Ohio state in Columbus uh, just because I've heard mixed results on Ohio state's offensive line this year. I know they have obviously crazy re- receiving core. Uh, I still don't really trust Ohio state's defense all that much. So I think Penn state can go into Columbus. I feel like drew would play, with a lot of extra motivation in that game just because he's from Ohio. So, uh, yeah, I'll go 11 to one. I think Penn state, you know, beats Ohio state loses to Michigan in November. And I think they do make the college football playoff as that one loss team. And I feel like they, they really could do it. And, uh, it'll be interesting, man. I, I, <laughs> I wish I was a rich man, Anthony, to be honest with you. Like I'd love to be able to blow a bunch of money and go to the, if they did go to the big 10 championship and the college football playoff, I wish I could physically be there. I don't think I could swing both, but, um, man, it's hard to not, you know, for how many years we've sat through where they're, the team was so close and they weren't able to finish the job. If this is that year, like, I, I really wish I could be there in person. But uh, long story short, it should be an exciting season. And, yeah, I, I can't wait for Saturday night, man. Just waiting all summer for uh, college football to finally be back. I don't know about you. I don't really feel like college football is officially back until Penn State plays at least one game. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm excited for the season, man. I, I appreciate 
um, your time tonight. And do you have any last thoughts on the season? Anything last thoughts for the West Virginia game, man? Nah, man, I just can't wait to be there. I'm hoping I can see you guys at the tailgate. You know, if we're all in the same spot, that'd be awesome. But no, nah, I'm just excited to be back in Beaver Stadium with my friends, just you know, drinking a few beers and just having a good time, hopefully watching Penn State kick West Virginia's ass. Yeah, absolutely, man. So this is it. Uh, and this is Anthony at PSU Recruit Talk at uh, Penn State Talk on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. And Anthony, I appreciate your time, brother. I'll talk to you later tonight. All righty. Thank you, Morgan. I appreciate it. And you have a good night. You too, man. Thanks. Bye.